0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, what if somebody today put an envelope in your hand and it had $150 in it? and totally unexpected to you, you didn't know what it was for, you didn't know what you were you know, going to do with it, what would you do with that money? You know, what would you do with this money that came into your possession by surprise? Well, about a month ago, we did that to three people that are connected with our church. Gave them an envelope with $150. We told them that they were now secret stewards. You've heard of secret shoppers, right? They were secret stewards. And, and we just gave them some guidelines and, uh, and then asked them to, well, let me just read the guidelines to you. Uh, we, we asked them, out of that $150, to give to the Lord first through the church. They could decide whatever they wanted to do, how they wanted to do that, but we encouraged them to give to the Lord first. And then we said, use the rest of the money in your current life situation as you believe the Lord wants you to in order to be a good steward one thing or a combination of things, whatever, whatever they thought that God wanted to do. We, we said, you can use it to help pay your living expenses. You can pay your bills, you know, buy food, clothes, make repairs, whatever. You can save it for future needs that you think you're going to have. You can pay for part or all of something that you and your family enjoys, like maybe take everyone out to eat or pursue some entertainment or you can share it and give it to someone else or to the church or to another ministry or anything else you think the Lord wants you to do with part of or all of what's left. It can be anything, not just ministry-related, anything, anything that they think God wants them to do. And then we ask them to fill out their secret steward record sheet and turn it in. It was all anonymous. I mean, we knew who we gave it to, but after that it's all anonymous with respect to what came in. So they could do anything they, they liked. Would, would you like to know what they did with the money? Would you? Huh. Well, we're going to talk about that later in the sermon. Uh, and it, it's pertinent to what we're, we're going to be talking about. What I want to do today is get down to what I'm calling the nuts and bolts of stewardship. You know, let's just read. And we've been talking about, you know, uh, enjoying all of our money. We talked about making, using our money to make sure our heart was in the right place. And, and but today I want to say, so what does this really look like? How do we deal with this? How do we become good stewards? Well, First thing we need to remember is what is a steward? That might be a new word to you. But a steward is somebody who manages someone else's possessions. In other words, someone entrusts a person with certain possessions, maybe all their possessions, maybe part of their possessions, and entrusts it to the steward, and the steward then takes that and manages that. Money, possessions, whatever. Okay, That's what a steward is. And so we are stewards of what God has given to us. Everything that you have that comes to you, not just money, opportunities, relationships, a- everything that you have, God has entrusted to you to use. Now, the question comes is how do we succeed at that? All right, is there, how, do we, how are we gonna be evaluated? What's, what's the standard for evaluating whether or not a steward has succeeded? Well, the Bible tells us this, and it's not talking about money specifically when it says it, but it talks about what it means to be a steward. The Apostle Paul talking about what God has entrusted to us. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, It is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And so faithfulness is the key to whether or not a steward succeeds. Because here's, here's the idea, when whoever owns something, in fact, let's just say let's say that I entrusted you, I, I, I'm going away for a year, and I entrust you with my household, okay? You can live in that house, you can do whatever you want in that house, I want you to take care of that house. I have some income coming in that I want you to manage, I want you to pay the bills and, and you know, take care of things for me. And so I have some desires and purposes and plans that I want to accomplish. And so I hand you all of that. And then while I'm gone, you have to make the decisions. It's in your control. And so the question is, were you faithful to do what I gave you all of this for? Did you use it the way I desired, intended for you to? Well, so then for us as Christians, when we understand that everything we have has been entrusted to us by God. What did he entrust it to us for? What are God's purposes and plans and desires that he has entrusted us with everything that we have? Not Again, not just our money. Our whole lives, everything in our lives, but we're f- focusing in on money right now. What has he given us to that for? And so we have to think, how, do, how am I going to be faithful then, i got to use all this the way God wants it used. Okay, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, but I'll go ahead and put up the, here's a definition of what it means to be a faithful steward. We are faithful financial stewards when we manage all of the money entrusted to us according to the purposes, commands, and principles revealed in God's word. In other words, God has told us what his desires are. He's told us what his purposes are and what he's trying to accomplish and what he's going to accomplish in our world and invited us to be a part of. He's given us principles related to those things. He's given us some commands related to those things. And so we can evaluate our stewardship of the money that God has given us by how consistently we handle it in a manner that matches what God has said in his word. and so. That's what we really, really want to zero in on today. So how do we succeed at this? What do we need to remember if we are going to succeed? This is a big responsibility, isn't it? How are we going to succeed at this? Well, Jesus told a story in the Gospel of Luke. It's it's recorded in the Gospel of Luke that we want to look at that, that tells us some things that we need to remember if we're going to succeed. And then once we look at the story, then we're going to actually let's look at the nuts and bolts of how do we live this out. So take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. It's on page 1209 in the Bible that's there under the chairs. If you don't have your own Bible with you, we encourage you to Take one of the Bibles under the chairs and follow along with us. We're going to be on page 1209 this morning. Now, the context for this story, we're going to start in verse number 11, but it's a story of Zacchaeus. And maybe uh, some of you have grown up in church. You know the, the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you ever sang a song about Zacchaeus? So Zacchaeus was a? How would you like to be known forever as a wee little man? So he was a short man, short of stature, the Bible tells us, and Jesus was coming, and he knew there was, he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to hear what said. He knew there was no way he'd be able to see because he was short, everybody head and shoulders above him. And so he climbs up into a tree. So when Jesus passes by, he can see him. Jesus does pass by, and Jesus looks up and calls Zacchaeus by name, and says, Come on down, I'm coming to your house for supper. Whoa. Now, what you got to know about Zacchaeus is he was sort of a traitor to the Jewish people. At least that's the way they viewed him because he collected taxes for Rome. And the way tax collectors made their money, they would contract with Rome to collect a certain amount of taxes. And their income was whatever they could collect above and beyond that. So if Rome says, we want $100 per person, he comes to you and says, $150 your taxes, and see, and he pockets the 50. That's how he, you see why he was so well loved? Not, okay, and and he was considered by the the Jewish religious leaders to be a a sinner, someone that you would not want anything to do with, and yet Jesus wants to go to his house, and he does. And in this conversation, Zacchaeus reaches the point where he comes to understand um, how he's been living uh, isn't right, Uh, not just this part of it, not just the money part of it, but and that Jesus is who he said he was, and and his life has changed. And he stands up and he makes an announcement to everybody. He says, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give away half of my goods to the poor. Half, 50% I'm giving away. And anybody I've cheated, I'm going to pay them back four times what I cheated them. His life has been changed, hasn't it? His heart has been changed, and it's changing now what he's doing with his stuff, okay? So Jesus now moves into a parable uh, because apparently there were people thinking, understandably so, that Jesus was going to establish the kingdom right now, right then in that day, and he wasn't. There was a time uh, that was going to go between. So this is a story we want to read. Verse number 11, again, page 1209 says, now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable, because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, so as we go through this parable, uh, he's going to tell the story of a nobleman who, who leaves his country to go receive a kingdom and come back and what goes on in, in between time uh, and when he returns. And so the picture here is of Jesus, the Son of God, who has done what? Left the earth. Uh, but who is building a kingdom, who's going to come back and establish that kingdom. And so this is uh, the parallel to what we're looking at. And and by the way, in parables, every detail is not always hugely significant. So we want to be careful about that, but we do want to get the big picture principles because that's what Jesus was talking about. Verse number 12. Therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Now, by the way, this, this was not that unusual of an idea to the people in this day because Herod the Great, who had been the king when Jesus was born, uh, his son Archelaus, came along behind him. And Archelaus left Jerusalem and went to Rome to take care of whatever he needed to take care of to have the right to come back and be the ruler. So this was not, you know, they understood the kinds of things he, Jesus was talking about. Second thing is this, Amina. He said, what in the world is Amina? Amina is about three months' wages. So when it says he entrusted them with 10 minas, he just gave them two and a half years of pay. This is, if if in our um, area, the median household income, we're looking probably at least $180,000 he entrusted to them, okay? That's a significant amount of money. I said, what if I gave you an envelope with $150? You go, yeah, okay, what if I gave you an envelope with $180,000? Aha, okay, got our attention, doesn't it? He says, I want you to do business till I return. Verse 14, but his citizens hated him. And sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. What did the nobleman expect to have happened? He expected them to have taken this money that was given to them and to use it in a way that when he came back there was more that there was a profit. He expected them to trade this for things and to use it and to increase the value. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. This guy took the $180,000 and it turned it into $1.8 million. Okay? He worked hard and traded and accomplished this. Verse 16, or verse, excuse me, Verse 17, and he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. Well, it, was, it seemed like just a little they were faithful in, but it was compared to the idea of 10 cities, okay? And the second came, saying, master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. So he, he uh, about, what, what's that, about $900,000? Almost a million dollars he turned this into by trading it, by using it. Verse 20. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina. Here's what you gave me, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And so this servant comes back and says, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't use it at all. I got it for you. Here it's yours. But I was afraid that, you know, I wouldn't do this right. And really, I was afraid of you. I don't think you would be fair and treat me fairly in this. Okay, what happens? Verse Verse 22. And he, the nobleman, said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Okay, that's what you thought of me? Why then did you not put my money in the bank? That at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. You know, I'm not sure why he didn't do that. Text doesn't tell us this, but I got an idea. I'm thinking that this man didn't really, you know, he he knew there was opposition, and he wasn't convinced that the nobleman would be coming back for it. And if he put it in the bank, someone would have a claim on it, right? Because he said, oh, okay, this is, so he kept it for himself just in case. The nobleman didn't return, then he had it. He had it all stored up. So the point is he was in this for himself. He was afraid to try to, to take a risk in, in using it, and he just kept it for himself. Verse 24, and he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. But they said to him, Master, he, he has ten or he has ten. And he says, For I say to you that everyone, this is what Jesus says, For I say to you that everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he's talking about in this context of being faithful with what God has entrusted to us. And then the nobleman says, But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Now that sounds very harsh to us. And and Jesus isn't talking about doing that. He's telling them a story that they would understand. And in this story are lessons that they needed to learn and that we need to learn. And so there are four things here today that we have to remember if we're going to succeed at being faithful stewards. Okay? The first one is this: that all of our money has been entrusted to us by God. It's all God is the source. I'm not the source of my money. God is the source of my money. You are not the source of your money. I don't care how hard you work. God has enabled you to work. God has given you opportunities to work, and that could dry up at any point in time. God is the one who provides for you. And so that's the first lesson. We must always remember that everything we have has been entrusted to us by God. The second thing we need to remember is this, that, that God expects us to use what he has entrusted to us to do business with what he's entrusted to us in a way that makes a profit for him. Now, by a profit, I don't necessarily mean more cash. By a profit, I mean it's profitable. God has plans and purposes and things he's doing in the world and how we use our money and possessions when all is said and done ought to have produced something of value in God's kingdom. Are you with me on that? That's the idea of what I mean by making a profit with this, okay? Uh, and the third thing that we need to remember is that there is a reckoning. There is a time in which this will be evaluated, how we've done with it. Uh, and for us as Christians, the Bible calls this, this is the judgment seat of Christ. And it's a time when everything that we've done will be evaluated to see how we did. It's not about whether or not we have a relationship with them. We're saved. But how did we live? And what did we do with all this money? And I can tell you, at the judgment seat of Christ, when we look at how we used our money, it's really going to matter to us at that point. Really, really big. And so there will be a reckoning, and the final thing we need to remember is that we can succeed at this. We can succeed. I even kind of get the sense here that, that even if this last one, last man, had just taken it and put it in the bank, well, he wouldn't have made much. He would have made some interest. He would have had a measure of success. All we have to do is seek to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us and we can succeed. We ought not be afraid and we ought not to hide it away and just keep it to ourselves. Those four lessons. So what I wanna do is talk about the nuts and bolts stewardship here for just a few minutes, remembering those four lessons. And so go ahead and put that diagram up talking about how do we become faithful stewards of our money and by faithful stewards of our money i know i've used the term our we could say technically it's god's money he entrusted it to us but he entrusted it to us and he says okay this is yours to use." so we can refer to it as our money and what we want to do is become faithful stewards of our money okay so the first lesson we saw in this parable is that god is the source of everything that we have right he has entrusted everything that we have to us and so Nuts and bolts of stewardship. We talked about this last week. The very first thing we do with our money is we give back to God. We give a tithe and an offering. And, and if you're here today and you're, you're, you're saying, tithe, what is that? It's the first 10% of your money. Now, let me just say to you, I understand if that is a new concept to you and you haven't heard that before, you're just like, right, blown away. What do you mean give the first 10% of my money? just try to relax on that because the bottom line is that you just need to give to God whatever he wants you to. And that's between you and him ultimately. But I do believe there's a, a, a principle in Scripture that would challenge us to start with that first tenth. And that first tenth, uh, well, let's give an example in our in our region i took the 10 towns right around our area and said what's the median family income and i i took out the some of the towns around that like I and mean, they make a lot of money in some towns did you know that you probably knew that but the point is i, I, I kind of didn't count those so just more average for us uh the average household income that includes all the income coming in from whoever's working uh, is about fourteen hundred dollars a week okay uh, you say, wow, I make a lot less than that. Well, maybe you do. Some of you make more than that, but that's just the average. So if we were going to say, we're going to start with uh, this money. Here we have this money. This check has come in, $1,400. We put it in the bank. We now have $1,400. What are we going to do with it? Well, what are we going to do? We're going to start with $140, the first tenth, and give it back to God. No strings attached. Give it back to God through the church. Okay? We're gonna do, is that, are you with me on that? You understand what I'm saying? Okay because I can ramble on here real good and have a great time and you don't know what in the world I'm talking about and I don't want to do that. So that tithe would be $140. Now I put tithes and offerings on purpose because I would encourage you to always do something more than a tithe because it's, it's going to, to free you. If you have this sense I'm supposed to give a tithe and you do it, that's great. But you remember how Jesus talks about you know if, if, if you're compelled to go a mile Go to be volunteer, go more. So double your time. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying even if it's just a dollar, give a dollar more. Start teaching yourself to be generous. But remember that this, this reminds us that all of this money's from God and that it is all to be used for God. So we start there. And that first lesson is that everything comes from God, and so we respond by giving back to him in this way. The second lesson was that God expects us to use what he's entrusted to us and to make a profit with us. So, so what kinds of things are we supposed to do with it then? Well, here's the deal. Here's the question, right? We had the $1,400. We put it in the bank. We, we, we wrote the check or went online and gave to the church. We gave the tenth and a little bit more. So we've done that. Now there's money left. What's that money for? And see, that's an important question to ask. And you need to be asking that question. God, what is the rest of this money for? And I think some of you are already, I know what it's for. Well, good. But God has given to you for a reason. So one of those reasons is to pay for our living expenses. Right? God talks about that. Uh, Paul says that my God is going to supply all your needs through Christ Jesus. Jesus said, if you will focus on me and my kingdom doing what I've given you to do, I'm going to meet your needs. And so God has provided us money to meet our needs. Our living expenses, those basic things. This is your, your rent. This is your reasonable mortgage. This is your food. This is your clothing. Uh, this is transportation. By the way, I started working on some budgets this week, just trying to think people had different amounts, you know, $1,400 or $1,000 or 600 or 2000 and just kind of working through what that would look like. i got to tell you, even at the $1,400 mark, I have a hard time seeing how you put a new car payment in there. Debt. Okay, we talked a little bit about this last week in the podcast, but you really want to stay out of consumer debt. Drive an older car. You'll be better off for it. Anyway, so you have these living expenses. Let me say this, that if... God expects us to make a profit for this, right? To make this profitable... If you are not living for Christ and you're paying your living expenses, you're wasting your money. Did that sink in? In other words, he's, paying, he's providing our living expenses so that we can live for him. So we can live our lives for him. He's meeting our needs. And so if we aren't living our lives for him, we're wasting that money. We're not being good stewards of it. So we really need to be living for Christ. So now we pay our living expenses. And for some of you, it is very possible that there is nothing left at this point. I have been there in my life where there was nothing left at this point. And if that's where God has you at the time, that's okay. The Apostle Paul talks about, I've been times when I was really poor and I've been times when I've been really well off. And that's God's business. All right, so we have our living expenses. Then if there is money left over, we need to think about saving. I need to be uh, saving. The the Bible talks to us about the ant, who says the ant works while he's able to and stores up so that the time's coming when he doesn't have, he'll have what he needs. And so this is the idea of storing up money for emergencies, storing up money even possibly for retirement that you're going to need. So you you put some money away for that. Uh, God says that's a good thing to do. Uh, Now, if you have money left over... And some of you won't at this point. But if you have money left over, now you're going to say, what's the question? What's this money for? Why has God entrusted me with this so that I have money left over at this point? And this is where we begin to start thinking about making kingdom investments. Kingdom investments. And, and by this, I'm not just talking about giving your money to the church. I'm not talking about that at all. It could be that. It really could be that, but it can be helping somebody who you know is in need, making an investment to them. It could be even, actually you might invest this money back into your business, in a business idea, because you know what, with this business I'm, I'm making connections with people, I'm able to influence people for Christ, and I'm, I'm employing some people, and make, maybe that's what. But it's, it's thinking about the kingdom, it's not just thinking about just, you know, doing business as usual, it's thinking about how do I get the most bang for my buck here for God? And using it for that. And now, some of you are still going to have money left at this point. First Sunday, sermon series. We talked about God who richly gives us all things to what? Enjoy. And so there may be money you have that you can spend to enjoy. Enjoy. And, and celebrate the goodness of God and enjoy his blessing in your life and, and maybe share that with others and celebrate victories that God has. And, and so you spend some money and enjoy it. Now, God says we have to enjoy all of it. But you see the nuts and bolts idea of this? We start off, God is entrusted with money. What do we say? What's it for? We give back to him first. It's act of worship. Recognizing it all comes from Him, then we meet our living expenses, and, and then we can save and then make kingdom investments and 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 uh, you know enjoy it. And but wherever you run out of money, is where you run out of money. It's just the way it is, and you may have to make adjustments. Do you start to see how you could begin to feel a tension between these? You know, there may be times when you say, wow, I think we just really have enough money for living expenses, but God has put in my heart to give to this person over here. How can I do that? And you might choose to make a kingdom investment over something else. In this week's podcast, I'm hoping to get to tell a story to you of how we took money that for us was grocery money and gave it away. Okay? And what God did. And it'll work. But so... This is the the nuts and bolts, but the the real thing you wanna do is is be asking this question, what is this money for? I have this much left, what's it for? I have money left at the very end of it, what's it for? And all of these are legitimate uses of money. The questions we're asking God, what's it for? Would you like to know what the folks spent their $150 on? It was interesting, it didn't really go quite the way I expected. All three gave at least a tithe to the Lord through the church, okay? One gave exactly 10%, another one gave $10 more than the tithe. Two gave to missions, one gave $5, the other gave $20. One gave to paving, $5, and one gave to the deacon's fund, $25, okay? So giving to the Lord up front, act of worship. Then it gets interesting. Now remember, we said they could use the money for whatever they thought the Lord wanted them to, right? From living expenses to saving uh, to enjoying, whatever. We just challenge them to say, God, what do you want me to do with this money? Well, one spent $50 taking a couple out to dinner that they've been witnessing to. And they got together with that couple and, and invested in them and, and shared Christ with them. That's a kingdom investment, isn't it? One person gave $50 to a homeless shelter and then shared the gospel while making that donation. Kingdom investment. Kingdom investment. One gave $5 to support preachers who are starting churches in our state. That's a kingdom investment. Another gave $30 to a single mom outside the church who was in need, ministering to her. That's a kingdom investment. And two gave money to teens to help them take missions trips so that the teens can grow spiritually and be challenged to serve God and hopefully reach people in the process. One gave $75 for this. The other gave $110 for this. Kingdom investment. They could have used the money for anything. It was anonymous. But they all chose to give at least a tithe and to make kingdom investments. Why did they do that? This 150 was theirs to do with whatever they wanted. Well, they told us why. Because we asked them on the forums, what did you learn from this, you know, how did you make these decisions? And they each said something like this, and I'm trying to paraphrase all of them together. Here's what they said. Because I stopped and consciously asked, why did God entrust this money to me? What's this money for? And it challenged me not only to think about how I used my money, but what was the best way to use my money as a faithful steward. And I'm saying to you that if you will say, I want to be a faithful steward, and you begin asking God, what is this money and you begin to use it the way he says we ought to use it in his word it's going to change how you live it's going to change how you think it's going to change how you experience it and you know what's going to change it's going to change from that very first sermon we said God gave you how much of your money to enjoy all of it and you'll be able to do that because you're being a faithful steward And when the day of reckoning comes, because remember there's a day of reckoning? You will have joy. You will receive reward from the Lord for that. And you will have succeeded because you stepped out in faith and asked God, what's this money for? And then you did it. What an exciting... By the way, here's where it gets exciting. It really, really starts to get exciting. And and in the next couple of sermons, we're going to talk about how this gets exciting when you start living this way. I mean, it really, really does. And what happens in a church full of faithful stewards? Wow. Who knows? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you speak to us so practically about these things. I pray, Father, as we've talked about the nuts and bolts of stewardship, I pray that we catch the vision of, of the fact that you have entrusted this money to us and that we need to ask you and to figure out what it's for that we might be faithful stewards of it. Please stir our hearts about this. Give us a vision for it. And for anyone who's wrestling with it here today, Father, I pray first that they would know you understand. But I pray also that they would press beyond their wrestling into choosing to trust you who are a good God who is able to meet our needs. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.